today on Ag News Daily. Really is all things beef to people. It's very interactive. It has some of the best information on cookery and recipes that you, you'll find anywhere. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, joined by Delaney Howell for today's episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Mike. It is cold, sleeting, and gross back in Iowa. I'm wishing I was back in New Orleans. Yes, but you are not. No, you are in I'm the midst not. of this leak, this cold weather, this uh, snap that is coming across here three days after mm-hmm. almost 60-degree temperatures. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite, but that is Iowa winter for you. That is winter indeed. Well, I tell you what, Delaney, why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about later in the show for the interview? Oh, yeah, I'm excited. So today's Tech Tuesday is an interview I gathered last week at NCBA convention, um, but it's kind of different from our normal Tech Tuesday. So usually we kind of focus on technology interfacing with producers. Well, this time, today's is more interactive with consumers. So NCBA has created this platform, uh, Chuck It's What's for Dinner, which is basically like an Alexa or a Google Homes platform that interacts with folks. And you just plug it into your home system and you could say, Chuck, how should I make this blank? Or what's a good... Uh, beef and noodles recipe or whatever. So they've created this platform to interact with folks about educating them on beef and cooking beef. And uh, it's, it's just a really cool, innovative thing that they're doing. Absolutely. So listeners, stay tuned. Anything we can do to make sure the consumer has a better beef eating experience, you know, that's going to drive demand for beef. Yeah. It's just really neat too to think like, I mean, I think this is pretty cutting edge technology and usually, you know, People assume that agriculture is kind of behind on the times, but I would say this is pretty forward-thinking stuff that they're doing. So do stay tuned for that interview. Certainly. Well, before we get to the interview, let's get through the news affecting the world of agriculture. And uh, I've got a story here that I want to get right off the top because this could impact some of our listeners. Um, Fiat Chrysler has announced they are withdrawing, not, not withdrawing, recalling, just about 882,000 pickup trucks. Mm. And I say this because they are recalling about 574,000 heavy-duty Ram 2,500 and 3,500 pickup trucks in the United States. So if you've got a 2013 through 2013, 2013 through 2017 uh, Dodge Ram 25 or 3,500, uh, Keep an eye on your mailbox. See if you're getting one of these recall notices because it sounds kind of severe. They're being recalled because there is, quote, the potential for drivers to experience steering loss. Oh, that sounds like a problem. Yeah, that's not an experience I think a lot of us want to have. No, I'd say probably not. Even for you with your uh, interesting choice of equipment and vehicles sometimes. Right. I mean, I sometimes have it, but it's, I can't blame the manufacturer. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, 40 years of age takes its toll on stuff. Right. They're also announced they are recalling 200,000 2019 Ram 1500s because they want to better secure the brake pedals while the adjustable pedal feature is in use. And I, I don't know much about any of that. None of my vehicles have adjustable pedals unless you're going to tape blocks to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, so if you've got a 2019 Dodge Ram, keep an eye on the mailbox and if you get a recall, you know, take it in there and get her fixed on uh, Chrysler's dime. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we had the announcement this morning, Mike, of confirmed, another confirmed 
export sales of soybeans heading off to China, this time 2.6, it's basically 2,603,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery in this 2018-19 marketing year. And to clarify, that means that the soybean harvest we just finished up here have in the bins maybe or are still working to market. That's the soybeans that are heading to China here for this 18-19 marketing year. There's a little confusion I saw on Twitter today saying which which um, soybean crop does this take? Well, it's the crop that we just finished up with here. And you said it was an it was an order today of 2.6 million metric tons. We got confirmation today that that is the latest export sales to China. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I okay. think we're up to confirmed. We're up to over three million metric tons since that the Chinese U.S. negotiations. Well, it's interesting the timing of these imports because I was reading an article, uh, Reuters did this research earlier today. This is coming at the same time that China is slowing down on canola purchases from Canada. Uh, this all goes back to the Huawei incident, the mm -hmm. Huawei uh, arrest that happened in Canada and the extradition to the U.S. China is now slowing down approvals for canola imports from Canada. It is delaying and slowing down all kinds of uh, import protocols. Traders have said ordinarily it takes 10 days to get a boat approved once it's hit Chinese ports. Now it's taking more than 20 days. And the trade up in Canada in particular and some Canadian or excuse me, Chinese traders, canola buyers, are saying this is directly related to the fact that Canada arrested that uh, Mang, uh, uh, Mang, yes. the, the daughter of the Huawei uh, family. Uh, right. I thought that was fascinating. That is fascinating. Hmm. China's using their pocketbooks to hit back at right. Canada, perhaps. Right. Well, uh, I'm going to bring it back to soybeans here because as we look at U.S. competition, Brazil's soy harvest is in full swing now. Their second largest producing state of piranha is well ahead of last season, they're saying they're about at 25% of soy crop area has been harvested, and they've seen pretty little damage done from drought or weather issues. So only about 6% of the state's soy fields are in bad, in bad condition uh, compared to none last year, and then another 24% are considered average compared to 14% last year. So even though they've had a little bit of weather issue, it really doesn't sound like that is going to be a factor here. And I know a lot of folks think, okay, well, if we can bet on having, you know, a, a poor plant or a poor harvest come out of Brazil or Argentina, maybe that'll give us some life for the soybean markets. And it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case, at least so far this year. Oh, man. So that harvest is underway and going mm -hmm. smoothly. Not news we want to hear in the northern hemisphere. No, definitely not. Because that's going to be a big crop down yeah, there. absolutely. And actually, while we're talking about South American news, I thought this was pretty interesting, too, as we kind of transition into talking about the beef industry. Argentina's beef industry has been hit pretty hard here in 2018. We're seeing some numbers now come out about their cattle production for the year of 2018. And it was the worst year for raising cattle in Argentina in almost a decade. And a lot of farmers now are concerned about if they're going to be able to make it through 2019 because their currency crisis continues, interest rates were sitting at about 56%, which is the world's highest interest rate. 
And at the same time, feed costs have soared and pushed up inflation, which is running at about 48%. But then when you look at Brazil, they're at record export shipments. Their shipments abroad rose 77% through November. So it seems like Argentina may not continue to uh, have some of those record beef exports, but Brazil is certainly taking up some of that market share. Well, and, you know, we all know beef is cyclical. And, of course, once you're hit by a drought, as bad as that one Mm -hmm. was that those producers were hit with, it's like 2012 here in the U.S. That impacted the beef industry for, you know, five years until we uh, started to grow our way back out of it. It just sounds like this article highlights one producer in particular, and it says, you know, he's concerned he's not going to be able to continue raising cattle into the next couple of years. And a lot of producers in that area are cut off from getting credits from the bank. I mean, interest at 56%, I can't imagine why you'd want to borrow anyways, but just something to keep an eye on there for sure. Absolutely. And I wonder, and and so listeners, those of you who are more familiar with Argentina, let me know, the cattle rangeland I know is not in the same place as a lot of the soybean growing Mm -hmm. ground, but if cattle producers are going broke, are we going to see more of that pasture ground? roll into crop production. That's an interesting question. I don't know either. Hmm. So listeners, let us know if you've been down to Argentina or you know anything about their uh, growing systems, we'd love Mm. to hear from you. I'd like to know if there's any merit to that. That is an interesting question to ponder. That's for sure. I'm full of interesting stuff. Delaney, you are full of something anyway. Um, I've got, yep. I've got uh, one last piece of news here and that is Archer Daniels Midland ADM released today their uh, fourth quarter earnings, and they were (gasps) lower than anticipated. Uh, Not a shock, I think, to a lot of us here in farm country. But three of ADM's four business units reported lower uh, fourth quarter results, including their grain origination business, so where most of us are familiar with ADM. Their profits were off 30% in the fourth quarter. Then they also said profits were hurt by significant insurance settlements among ADM businesses tied to sorghum shipments in early 2018. And this one, I had to do a little bit more digging, but um, basically because of the anti-dumping probe that was put into place by China early last year, kind of that first salvo in the trade war, a bunch of ADM ships carrying sorghum had to change destinations. And uh, that meant that there were some hefty insurance payouts which hurt their profits. One of their, or their one bright spot, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, was their oil seeds uh, division. Basically, those incredibly profitable crush margins that crushers have seen for processing soybeans um, enabled ADM to at least have, have I guess, one bright spot mm-hmm. in their earnings report, and that was the oil seeds uh, department. So what, they made like only a billion dollars this year instead of three uh, let's see. Did they actually report their so net earnings were three hundred and fifteen million? Oh well, darn it! I don't really feel too bad for them. Yeah, down from cut in more than half, down from seven hundred eighty-eight million mm. a year before. Well, I mean, we're definitely all seeing the impacts of trade and trade negotiations and all across sectors of agriculture. 
Absolutely, Delaney. Well, that's what all I've got for news. Do you have any other stories for us? Yeah, the only other quick thing, and I'm sure a lot of folks that listen to the podcast are going to be tuned in tonight because President Trump has his State of the Union message. The theme of this year's speech is choosing greatness. So a couple of folks close to President Trump from the Trump administration said he's going to offer an update on U.S.-Chinese negotiations that could include an announcement of the next date of uh, trade negotiations and trade talks. He's also apparently going to call on Congress to replace the NAFTA disaster and get this new USMCA trade agreement approved and in place so we see some more stability in the trade markets. But we will definitely have an update on that, and I'm sure folks will tune in for that tonight. Are you going to tune in for it, Delaney? Do you have your TiVo set? I'll, I'll decide later. I don't know. I don't really like those. I mean... I know I nobody should watch likes. it, but yeah. Yeah, nobody likes them. They're a bunch of grandstanding and, you know, one side stand and applause, the other side sit and pout and then, you know, vice versa when there's right. a new president. Yeah, I'm probably just going to follow along on Twitter yeah. and follow the, some tweet storms. Up right, get, get the, the highlights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't need 40 minutes of applause. No, I don't really either. Unless it's for me. Oh, okay. Which this is not, so I'm not no. interested. Okay, of course you're not. Well, there's also not a whole lot of applause in the grain markets today, but there is some green, Delaney. What do you think? Should we jump in and read the markets? Let's do it, Mike. All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, now is a great time to get to work on your marketing plan. Call our friends at Zaner and have them give you some help managing your marketing risk. You can reach them at 312-277-00. Or visit them on the web at zaner.com. In the corn market, March corn was up one and a half at 380 and three quarters. The May contract also up one and a half to close the day at 389 even. In soybeans, March up one and three quarters at 920 and a quarter. May up one and three quarters as well, finished at 934 and a quarter. Mixed trade in Chicago wheat with the March contract up one and a half cents at 527 and a quarter. The May down a half to close the day at 529 and a quarter. Jumping over to the livestock side, really the only green is in live cash. Cattle, February live cattle up 97.5 cents at 126.70. April up 62.50 to finish at 127.62.50. In feeder cattle, the March contract dropped 40 cents at 143.82.5. The April down 37.5 to close at 145.45. And lean hogs giving back much of yesterday's gains. The February contract dropped 95 cents at 56.42.5. April down $1.45 to close at 61.60. And a quick look over at the dairy market in Class 3 milk, February off a penny at 13.93, and the March down three cents at 14.20. Delaney, why don't you give us a quick introduction in today's hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation? I would love to, Mike. Again, our Tech Tuesday conversation for today is about that new NCBA program, Ask Chuck or Chuck It's What's for Dinner. And that conversation is going to be with Elisa Harrison. So let's turn it over to Elisa. Catching up with Elisa Harrison, who is the Senior Vice President of Consumer Marketing and Research for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Elisa, what are you doing with that role? That's a big title. Well, it's just a lot of words, but essentially what it is is um, NCBA is the largest contractor to the beef checkoff. Um, That means that we're running the whole Beef It's What's for Dinner consumer marketing um, program and issues management and doing product and quality research. So uh, we really do kind of run the gamut. 
And the Beef is What's for Dinner brand, you know, was launched uh, about uh, 26 years ago um, as part of the, the early days of the Beef Checkoff. And it really has become an iconic brand. And so we did some... Uh, research on it about a year and a half ago to see if there was still equity. We, the producers have been investing in this brand, you know, for 25 years and has spent a lot of money. And we realized from our research that people still know it. They still are very fond of it, especially even those millennials. Um, they remembered it. They, you know, they recalled it being in their mom's kitchen, and they remember the Rodeo music being the beef song. I played that in band. So we wanted to kind of leverage the you know 25 years that the industry had invested in that brand and we actually relaunched it last October and we relaunched it really to tell the whole beef story uh, the story about the producers behind the product the taste of beef because we know that that's what distinguishes us from other proteins as well as the nutritional value that the you know the protein um, element of our product and so we launched that we, we did it with big fanfare launched a brand new website um, that really is all things beef to people. It's very interactive. It has some of the best information on cookery and recipes that you, you'll find anywhere. And so this year, we wanted to leverage all of that content and information uh, by making it easier for consumers to access it. When you look at the way consumers, especially that older millennial parent, are accessing information in the kitchen, is that they are using smart speakers and they're using their, you know, the art, the assist digital assistant on their phone. So we went to work and we built Chuck Nose Beef. And Chuck Nose Beef is the first artificial intelligence digital assistant for the beef industry. And what he does is he pulls information from that website and provides it to the consumer in whatever setting they want. They, if they have a smart speaker in their house, which means if they have an Alexa um, or they have a Google Home, they can download the skill, the Chuck Nose Beef skill, and literally have a, a, a conversation with Chuck about how to cook a tri-tip or what, um, you know, what or why are hormones used in beef production? And so they can receive that information. You can also receive it. You can also uh, access it in your smartphone while you're at the meat case. You can text Chuck a, a question, and he'll provide you recipes, say, for tri-tip if they happen to be on sale that day. So we're just trying to make all of this information available to today's consumer in the way that they want to reach it. That is so awesome. And that's really what I wanted to talk about was the Chuck Knows Beef because it's they, they played a video yesterday at the opening session kind of highlighting it. And it's phenomenal. I mean, it's really neat, the technology that we're able to use now. So walk me through. If I'm using Chuck in my kitchen, I say, Chuck, I need a recipe to cook a sirloin steak. How does it work then? Does Chuck just go through a list of recipes? Will he read me the instructions? Well, first of all, um, he'll go and pull, you know, whatever recipes there are for that cut and just say, would you like, and, you know, ask, and would you like me to read this? Um, when you hear a recipe that you want, you know, just let me know. And so you could say, you know, Chuck, I want, you know, I want, you know, a Chuck roast or whatever. And then he can read it to you. Or if you're in the um, grocery store and you're using your smart phone, um, he will um, send you the ingredient, provide the ingredients to you that can be sent directly to your smartphone, so that you can do you can go around the store buy all the other ingredients for this recipe. So, um, it's you know artificial intelligence is based on a learning you know it's machine learning essentially what it is, and we're using uh, the Google intelligence me you know uh, foundation for that. So it's a really robust system, and so Chuck gets smarter the more you use him. <laughs> 
it's just like if you're using Alexa or Siri on your phone, they get to know you. They get to know uh, what your traffic patterns is. You might notice sometimes you get on your phone, oh, it's going to take you 30 minutes to get home. And it's like, well, how does he know I'm going home? And that's just because they're just watching. The more you use it, the more they get to know you and tailor it to you. So when we, we saw, did a soft launch of Chuck last October, and really just he was a little bitty baby you know it's just it's literally like you know grow, you know raising a child because you that you have to teach it you have to ask it questions the more questions you ask it the the better he learns so we got a lot of kinks out you know there's he you know he may not understand what particular words meant and so we had to help him learn that you know this word means this and so therefore go to this part of the website and pull that information and so the real hard launch, the real, the big reveal will be March 1st. And we'll do that. We'll put a, a lot of money behind digital advertising, um, being at those places where the consumers are. And we did some, uh, some, some really uh, comprehensive research last year called segmentation so that we could really break down that beef consumer into some categories and certain categories get their information from certain places so we want to make sure that we're there and we know that a lot of the people who use smart speakers listen to pandora so we're going to have a lot of ads going on pandora introducing chuck knows beef to to the public we're going to do some retail tests um with the retailers to um get it inside the store so that when the consumers when they're really thinking about what they're going to be cooking for dinner and they're standing at the meat case how do we how do we make them aware of, of chuck nose beef and of course this our, our overall uh, digital advertising program that we're doing uh will kind of incorporate all the stuff that we were trying to promote about chuck nose beef this really i mean the whole program just kind of gives me goosebumps it's just so so cool um how did you pick the name chuck or the program name chuck nose beef well, I think Chuck is kind of obvious, you know, you know, with the, the Chuck um, cut. And so we thought that was really pretty funny um, that we were going to call him Chuck. Because most of the digital assistants are women. And so you have Alexa on um, the Amazon Echo. Um, and Google Home, you can actually, you know, uh, choose whatever voices that you want. But we wanted just to call it Chuck, but Amazon... It's very strict. They won't let you just use one pronoun. So we had to come up with Chuck Knows Beef. And it kind of just rolls off the tongue, um, chuckknowsbeef.com. And um, so it kind of is easy to remember and, and that sort of thing. So you just have to ask Alexa, Alexa, open up Chuck Knows Beef. Or, hey, Google, you know, get, you know, go to Chuck Knows Beef. And I think the more consumers, you know, use smart speakers, they know how to interact with them or know how to get them to do what they want to do. But the fun thing about it is that it's really been well-received by consumers. We did a lot of consumer testing. We've taken it to events. We've had them interact with Chuck so that we can learn, too, what, what do we need to fix. But producers really love it. They really get it. We just, um, you know, you mentioned we premiered it uh, yesterday at our opening general session at the convention and it just it received you know a great applause. I mean, they I think producers love to know that their checkoff dollars are uh, developing innovative programs that are current and relevant to today's consumers. So um, it's we think that's a win-win when the consumer likes it and the producer likes it. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the 
comments or individual things that you've been hearing from both producers and consumers in some of your preliminary research? Well, I think um, a lot of things, we, we've really encouraged the industry to use Chuck over the last couple of months because, again, we needed to find out the kinks. So, you, you know, it's almost like you try to, when you try to trip up a smart speaker or whatever, and they've been trying to do that. So they'll give the information back to us. So they just think it's really cool um, on that. And the consumers, when you provide a consumer uh, very transparent information in a form that they want to receive it, when they want to receive it, they will. They are so appreciative of it. And we're using Chuck Knows Beef as a way to promote that Beef It's What's For Dinner brand because our research shows that when people are aware of Beef It's What's For Dinner, they make beef their number one protein, and so Chuck is just going to help us uh, do that. But we're, you know, it, it's a it's a twenty four seven, you know, endeavor, and we'll, con- you know, Chuck will continue to learn through the year, and then I think as cons- we get more and more consumers aware of it, we'll get more feedback and what they want to see. And the beauty of it, because of the the technology. That it's very easy to make changes and to keep it there. We started getting questions from consumers that we didn't have an answer to. Then we just go get the answer and we we make Chuck aware of it. So it's that kind of um, opportunity. That's what we'll be doing this year is really making sure he's very, very robust. So does Chuck only answer questions about beef as it's related to cooking? Or if I'm a a consumer and I say, hey, Chuck, where did... What cut of meat does this come from on the on the cow? He should anything that's on our website. Beef is what's for dinner. He he will pull. He can answer those questions. Now he can't answer anything that's not on that uh, because he's actually from a technology standpoint. That's where he's pulling his content. You know, and I think as we we grow. Um, the program in a couple of years, what we want to do, working with, you know, local beef councils to work with a local retailer so that we can pull in other databases like the weather. So we can, someone's walking into a grocery store, Chuck Nose Beef can, you know, send them an alert and say, hey, <clears throat> it's going it's to be 80 degrees today. It's a great night for grilling. Would you like some grilling recipes? So we can pull all those other kind of databases into it, but it'll take us a while to grow that. So right now, he's just able to pull information that's on beefitswhatsfordinner.com. Well, it's still certainly exciting. And you said March 1st was the launch for that. Remind folks again where they can go to download it, find more information, etc. People can go to beefitswhatsfordinner.com. It's right there on the front. Or you can go to chucknosebeef.com, which takes you to directly in there. It's very mobile-friendly. If you go to that on your smartphone, you can literally text back and forth with him. Or if you have a, um, an Amazon uh, Alexa or a Google Home, you can download the skill, Chuck Knows Beef, and have it accessed through your smart speaker on that. So it, there's a, multiple different ways uh, that you can access Chuck Knows Beef. Well, this is very exciting. I can't wait to see Chuck Knows Beef launch. Elisa, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And go check him out and see if you can trip him up. All right. Well, again, I'm excited to see that launch here at the beginning of March. It's going to be really interesting. I don't own a Google Home or an Alexa, but I would get one just so it could tell me how to cook my beef. You know, I I was honestly thinking that same thing. I'm not big into those uh, bringing things in that can spy on you into my house, (laughs) but... You know, there's been so many times that I'll have a chuck roast just sitting in the freezer and, oh, you know, I don't have any potatoes. I don't have any carrots. I don't have anything to make a true pot roast with. You know, what can I do with it? If I could just ask, mm-hmm. ah, boy, that's a pretty compelling value proposition to me. It is. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to see if this uh, changes any minds come Christmas season or birthday season, yes, Delaney. If you're that's looking for true. a present, I could. 
go for an Amazon uh, Alexa. Oh, really? Is that the one? Are you going to buy me a birthday present? Well, no, of course not. Oh, okay. Well, how nice of you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Well, listeners, this is my last day on the podcast for a little while. I am headed into an alcohol treatment program, so I will be gone for uh, some time, but we will have the podcast continuing to rock and yes. roll with Delaney and intern Madison Honkamp, yes. who I missed pronounced her name yesterday. I said Honkamp, and for that, I am oh. very sorry. She is Honkamp. And... Um, they will continue on, so you will yeah. be in very good hands. But, yes. Delaney, if our listeners want to get caught up on past episodes, where can they go? Absolutely. They can go to globalagnetwork.com. That's our new home there. Listen to all of our past episodes. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. And I want to put a quick plug out. If anybody is interested in guest co-hosting with me, we're going to do kind of a special Friday episode. I'm going to bring on some voices that you've heard or maybe have seen on Twitter and uh, bring in some new 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 people to co-host with me. So if you're interested in that, shoot us a message at Ag News Daily on Twitter or on Facebook, or you can shoot me a personal message on Twitter as well at Delaney Howell 07. Mike, we're gonna miss you, but with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Yeah.